Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. It's podcast time. What antiques are we talking about this week? Do you want to talk about antique picture frames? Oh boy, do I. Hooray! Do you know what an antique picture frame is? Is it a picture frame that is old? Correct! That's it, folks. Tune in next week. That's it! Alright, cool. I've I done my part. <laughs> so... You don't need an explanation of what a frame is, right? Something enclosing a work of art so it can be displayed? Exactly right. The end. A picture frame molding comes in a variety of shapes, mostly an L shape with an upward lip, which is called the rabbit, as well as a spacer or mat to keep the object behind the inner surface of the glazing, and the glazing is the glass, although acrylic is not uncommon these days. Less common in antiques, though. Much less common in antiques. Picture frames are generally square, rectangular, or circular, although ovular frames are also present. And, frankly, there are one-offs of every shape you could imagine out there. Bring me a non-Euclidean frame. I've found a couple that actually are made to go around corners. Love that. Just a sneaky little corner frame. Just a sneaky little corner friend. Now, what is the history of the frame? God only knows. I'm assuming Jesus invented them being a carpenter and all. He did exactly- no. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So the first frames that are recorded in history are probably the Faya mummy portraits. Oh. Now, uh, if you explain to the audience what the Faya mummy portraits were, are, they do still exist. Are these the portraits that were put on the outer casing of Egyptian sarcophagi after the Romans took over? Precisely so. Excellent. They were a Romanized style of portraiture for the outside of the coffin, but they would also be used for the procession after death, which required a stucco frame. After the death, the portrait would be removed from the frame and placed over the mummy, which is probably the way we're used to seeing them. The first carved wooden frames that are probably recognizable as the frames you would see and collect appear to be small panel paintings from the 12th and 13th century. We're getting medieval with it. Yeah. They're actually usually made from a single piece of wood, where the area that was going to hold the painting was carved out like a tray. Hell yeah. Which is like pretty fucking cool. Extremely cool. Moving into the 14th and 15th centuries, frames were largely part of the church and the key there is that they were mostly church paintings. Most art was church art at that point in history. Yeah. Not many other people could afford art. (laughs) And that includes frames. Now, when you say the frame is part of the church, do you mean it's built into said church? Yep, it's considered a piece of its architecture, mostly unmovable. Oh. So imagine it being nailed to the wall, so to speak. Or even just carved as a part of the altar. You see a lot of that with triptychs. So yeah, they were architectural elements. They were usually meant to evoke the large windows of a grand cathedral. So as the windows and the walls outside see out, so the window around the arch helps you see within? Precisely so. But yeah, for a smaller church that couldn't have, you know, stained glass or even like structurally have large windows installed, a really great way to make up for that and still richly decorate your church would be a framed painting. However, another thing happened in the 14th and 15th centuries that would turn this all upside down. The brief but vivid reign of Henry V of England. Uh, well, we're in the Italian Renaissance, so... Oh. I mean, he was there. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He didn't make it down to Italy. <laughs> he got kind of hung up in France. He, he was, like, out there, though. Like, Oh, he was out there, all right. Well, yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? Am I right? You know, what happened was the existence of the middle class and the rise of the arts patrons other than the church. 
Now, having a painting suddenly become a status symbol, I'm as good as the Pope, you might say, the window <laughs> thing was not going to fly. Suddenly, frames and paintings that within them had to be portable. The next time I hang an art print on my wall, I am going to say to myself, I'm as good as the Pope. <laughs> the Pope whomst? I'm at least as rich as him. God, I wish I was rich enough to have, like, an incredibly jacked bear make all of my clothing by hand. <laughs> If you're having a slow day, Google the Pope's tailor and just enjoy. Uh, You'll have a good time, I think. (laughs) So this led to the Cassetta and Tondo frames. Oh, they use cassette tapes. Well, Cassetta means little box. Sudden understanding of why cassette tapes are called cassette tapes. Yep. Language is cool. (laughs) That was just a plate frame that was easy to move. It was shaped like a box, hence the name. The Tondo frame was round and generally decorated with a nature motif. Now, with the popularity of frames as a flex, eventually frames started to become inseparable from the artwork that they housed. Well, I mean, if you're putting all that money into that artwork, you want to give it a frame worthy of said artwork, something that accentuates and offsets it specifically. Precisely so. In fact, very famously, Leonardo da Vinci had to wait for a woodcarver to finish the frame before he could create Virgin of the Rocks. Damn. That's how important the frame was. But frames, they would not stay just wood, no, no, no. Moving forward with an accessibility to more useful materials, you would see frames become smaller, tabletop. The Victorians loved this in particular. And these tended to be made out of anything from molded brass to fine metals such as silver and gold themselves. Gotta purchase? Sometimes, really small ones. I ask because the Victorians made literally anything they could get their hands on out of gutta percha. Gutta percha was usually for daguerreotypes, frames. Oh. But they use a variety of plastics. Bakelite, celluloid, and later plaster, which is not a plastic, but I threw it in there because fuck it. Two tears in a bucket. Moving forward in time with the emergence of mass production, you would see lots of frames being made out of a material called composite or compo, which is mostly just sawdust and glue that is then molded into a mold. Now, regrettably, moving into the 60s and 70s, the aesthetic desires became sweepingly, what's the word for it? Austere. Minimalist, even? Minimalist. Swedish modern. Yeah. (laughs) As usual, apologies for Ken's disdain if you're a fan of any of these things. But they had a really, really unpleasant side effect. Yeah, everything looked like Swedish modern, for one. Well, that and... Picture frames followed suit in their need to be minimalist, and there came a sort of art theory that art would look better in frames that didn't quote-unquote overwhelm it. Oh, so you mean all of those beautifully antique medieval and renaissance frames that were molded specifically to contain the artwork within and offset it and enhance it? Yes. Into the garbage with you? Yes, sadly, uh, even museums and art dealerships had begun to rip off the frames, and throw them away. Why would we want to keep this centuries-old example of exquisite hand-carved wood? Yeah, unfortunately, it do be like that. Usually what got thrown out either didn't really well match the art, in their opinion. Okay, so their wrong, incorrect, stupid opinion, sure. Well, you know, given that museums are pretty focused on what we might call preservation, it does seem strange to throw out an old object because it's damaged. Yeah. But frames just weren't important at the time, and it would take a really long time until they would be reconsidered as a part and parcel of the art. Or an art unto themselves. Now, thankfully, the mid-90s saw a return to form in the idea that paintings looked pretty boring when they were all in black frames. 
and the effort to either reinstall original frames or find frames that were in some way contemporaneous to the artwork began anew, leading to a beautiful resurgence in interest in antique frames that continues to this very day. Huzzah! I saw several people refer to frames as, like, the Cinderella of the antiques world. Okay. <laughs> Largely undervalued, only to have its beauty recognized too late. And, unfortunately, we've lost the window in time in which you could get a really old frame for really little money. People are still paying good money for frames? People still pay really good money for frames. Once you start getting into real historical frames, anything older than the Victorian era, a lot of times they start getting more valuable than the paintings that are in them. Shit. Yeah, I mean, the painting might be by some nobody, but the frame? That's timeless. These are not my opinions. I do not think that a painter who has not made a name for themselves is a nobody. Please don't think that I meant that that way. Direct all complaints and cancellations to antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. So, Ken, do you know what kinds of frames are out there? Wood. Did You got it. All right, shut it all down. We're good. They're made with wood. <laughs> we got their ass. Podcast over. Wood and all the other stuff you said frames were made out of at the beginning of this episode? Yeah. Although most interest in frames does tend to be solid carved wood, as you very beautifully elocuted before, they represent sort of the pinnacle of the artistry of making a frame. It's almost like wood carving is an art unto itself. Stop undervaluing arts and crafts. Fuck you. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the kinds of frames you can find is the arts and crafts movement picture frames. Hell yeah. A movement meant specifically to push back at the soullessness of mass-produced objects. Indeed. You also have early American wood frames. Victorian frames, which can be gilded or not. Baroque frames, which will be gilded. Arts and crafts frames. Rococo frames. Art deco frames. Neoclassical frames. Pre-Raphaelite frames. Louis Thirteenth frames and Louis XIV frames. I do not have enough time or breath to go over all of these in their highly specific aesthetics. <laughs> so which one will you be focusing on? I'm actually just going to talk a little bit about what you can use to help you generally get a feel for the date of the frame, which can help you sort of match it up to one of these aesthetic movements. Uh-huh. This knife cuts both ways because if you recognize the aesthetic movement, that can give you a pretty solid feel for when it might have been made, in which case I'll be helping you understand how to confirm that or if it's a tricky, tricky reproduction. So tricky. <laughs> the cheat answer is use the art inside as a guideline. <laughs> Can you look up the artist? Their lifespan will give you a limited range to work with <laughs> if they can be identified. Are there modern prints of their work? Is it a print that you have? This is not the easiest method, except it, although if you recognize the signature, then it is. The most important place to look, although the front and the use of motifs and slight damage that might reveal the materials made can help, the back of the picture frame is the most important thing to look at for clues about its age and quality. This is one place where you should want to see wormholes. Most wood, even well-cared-for wood from a hundred years ago and beyond, will have been eaten by a worm here and there. You can also look for warping, and as with all woodworks, the method of construction. Anything fit together without nails or tacks using perhaps a dovetailing method is at least 100 years old. Whereas if it has a Phillips head screwed in it, probably not that old. That's new as fuck, baby. Unless someone has done a really shoddy repair job. Exactly so. <laughs> that is either new or an extremely bad repair job. For vintage pieces that are maybe newer than 100 years, you can look for older hardware. Square nails is one of my favorites. Those date back to 1890 through about 1912. You also just have round nails that are short, and this is gonna sound like a this is gonna sound like a joke. They just kind of look old. Wow. 
That really cuts to the heart of the issue, doesn't it? The thing about most current nails are that they're anodized in such a way that they don't rust as easily. And even when they do, it's kind of obvious where old round nails, they kind of look like part of the wood until you pry them out. It's like a browning as opposed to a reddening of an old nail. And also just, you know, use your best guess. Does it look old? High chance it's old. (laughs) Well sussed. Most frames were made of wood prior to the 19th century. After the 19th century, you start seeing Ida objects such as cast plaster glued to the wood frame. This is a cheaper and easier way to make a heavily decorated frame without carving it. Carving hard, actually. Carving's extremely hard, and as demand grew and molding became easier to access, you would see a combination of a well-carved, hearty frame that was perhaps simple and decorated with a complex plaster decor. So, the having a decorative plaster layer before the wood, then that is from after the 18th century. Is that a very long span of time to cover? Yes, but that's your problem now. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) These are tips. I'm not going to hold your hand through this shit. (laughs) Another thing which people overlook a lot is that the edges should be smooth. Time has a way of smoothing everything from pain and heartache to wood corners. (laughs) Wow. Poetry. (laughs) I know, I'm so fucking deep. But yeah, old things get handled a lot, and with wood, that means a really natural and beautiful burnishing that is achieved only through time. And a lot of people don't think about that. They just think it's square, it's okay that it's sharp. It shouldn't be sharp if it's old. Composition frames, if you find that it is composition, you can kind of tell by scraping at whatever paint or aging process they've applied to it. And it looks like sawdust. It looks like particle board, kinda. That's not to say they didn't make composition frames later into the 19th century, but like I said, these are guidelines. But it's important to remember, any frame that's made of plaster or composition instead of plain carved wood is almost certainly not older than the 19th century, no matter what its aesthetics suggest to you. There is no Louis XV, 14th, I think they all have their own aesthetics. I'm not French. (laughs) None of those are made with plaster or composition. They wouldn't have been done that way. Another sneaky thing you can take a look at is how is it meant to be hung? For example, hook eyes placed in the dead center of the side rails of the frame instead of to the top means that it might be Victorian, for example. Victorian frames were engineered to lean forward off the wall so that they wouldn't have a glare. Is that why they're like that? That is precisely why they're like that. It is an aesthetic choice and not an accident. Holy shit, I just thought they sucked at framing. Nope, it means that there's no glare and it also means that they're still visible when you hang them up high. Ah. I don't see a lot of frames where they haven't reframed something and had the orientation changed, but sometimes you can see where the original hardware had been set. 19th century frames, as you move towards the age of the electric light, don't tend to have features like that anymore and are meant to be flush. If you're sussing out for plaster, don't necessarily assume that just because you see white underneath the chip that it is plaster. You're going to have to- God, I hate this. I hate making you do this because I don't like the way it feels either. You're gonna have to dig your nails in. And yet you freely recommend people bite most objects. Well, the thing is, biting would be my, like, my go-to immediately, but, like, I, you know, people have told me that that's weird, so... With this one, you can actually- it's soft enough that you can use your nail. Plaster feels like it sucks to be under your nails. Ah! It's like digging your fingers into chalk. It has a very light, crumbly feel. Disgusting. You don't want to assume white is plaster, because a lot of solid wood frames have a really thick gesso layer. Oh. And then are painted so as to look like a different kind of wood. 
So you should be checking out how deep that layer is, and if it feels, if it has the sort of airy, light, crumbly, chalky feel of plaster. Now another thing you might need to be on the lookout for. Gilding. Would you say that most of the frames you've encountered in your life were gold? No. Oh, well, fuck. The <laughs> end. I think the gold frame is like a staple of popular frame culture. I think that it might be the first thing people picture when they think about a picture frame. And having a real ass gold, real gold gilded frame will net you some big dollars. Would you say it's worth its weight in gold? Mm, It's probably worth more than that. Because what gilding really suggests is high quality craftsmanship. You don't take the time to gild any old piece of shit. You say that, and yet I've seen some cement lions the size of house cats that our neighbors saw fit to gild. I don't think they're gilded. I think that is actually metal leaf. Still looks cheap. Well, it's actually really hard to make gold not look cheap when it isn't real gold, so... (laughs) That'll do it. So nine times out of ten, what you're going to have is bronze paint. This is pretty easy to figure out because there will be brush strokes, and it tends to be less bright burnished gold and more of a gold brown. A step above would be metal leaf, like I just said, which is sort of a composite of different metals meant to imitate gold. Also pretty easy to spot because overall the effect is very orange. (laughs) Real gilding does not tarnish with age, has the unmistakable sheen of real gold and is applied by hand using small 22 carat sheets over gesso. Usually, the sheets will actually have little faint lines very irregularly where they overlapped. And that, if you can find it, is a valuable frame. Or a cruel joke played by someone with more money than sense. (laughs) Sick prank, bro. (laughs) Could be the sickest prank ever. Now, I said that frames were very valuable now. But what does that mean exactly? What does that mean, Dee? I've always wanted to know, but was too afraid to ask. Well, you have to consider several things about the frame that you're looking at or have. Its condition, what materials were made to make it, the size, the shape, the style, and the age. Condition's a big one here. Really heavily damaged frames are worth pretty much nothing. Wow. Rude. They're they're worth what they can be used to craft or practice your restoration skills or paint over and put your kids art in or whatever you want to do. They're great. I have a bunch. I love them. I use them to frame stuff. That would be the most fun flex to like take your kids kindergarten drawing and put it in like an absurd gilded frame before you hang it on the wall. (laughs) Just create your own like tiny art museum. (laughs) You can get a like a damaged one that should be easy to like smooth over the patches for pretty cheap at a, at a yard sale. So it could be a fun way to make your kid feel special. One of the more important things is, especially with older frames, looking at you, Victorian era, the, the worst offenders in this particular category. Wow. Is the original glass still on it? And if it isn't, is it easily replaceable? See, the Victorians did a cool thing with oval frames called bubble glass. Oh. (laughs) A feature that is both so easy to break and yet so difficult to replace that it becomes comical in its futility. (laughs) There are places on the internet that sell replacement glass for these things. The shipping must be insane. That's the thing. It is not. It should be reserved only for a very important historical piece or a piece that is very important to you emotionally. Or if you've just got money to burn. Or someone with more money than sense. I don't know. And if you're that person, join our Patreon too while you're on the internet. (laughs) Patreon.com slash antiques freaks. 
I don't want to make it sound impossible because you can every now and again snag the glass out of a frame that might not deserve it as much. It sounds a bit like robbing Peter to pay Paul, but sure. Well, if you find a frame where the, and I've done this, a frame where the glass is intact, but the frame itself has, you know, major damage to the wood or the composite of the plaster that just would not be reasonable to fix. Well, at that point, your glass is going to be better off fixing my nice frame. But when you're selling a piece of specialty frame without the specialty glass, you are asking that person to eat the cost of replacing it. You are asking them to have more money than cents. Precisely so. <laughs> or a lot of f- free fucking time to find one <laughs> where the frame is damaged and not the glass. Now, the other things, material, size, shape, style, and age, well, only parts of that ca- matter to your standard antiques collector. The other thing about antique and vintage frames is that people really, really like them for interior design. Arguably, that's what they were made for originally. No, I mean just the frames. They don't put stuff in it. Oh, we're being that artsy now. We're being that artsy now. I found one where the intent was to find frames that looked good layered together. So I hope you have nice wallpaper. (laughs) I heard you like frames, so I got a frame to put around your frame. (laughs) I framed your frame. Yeah, very exactly so. So if you've got a style of frame or a size of frame that's valuable for its decor purposes, well, there you go. You've hit the jackpot and you can ask whatever they're paying. This goes for things like a very large frame. Might be very difficult to find. You could probably get a fair bit of cash even for a newer one. Now, the materials suggest the age, which is where they influence the value there. A plaster frame is going to be worth not as much as a solid wood frame. And also slightly less than a composition frame. And that's because plaster breaks super easy. It decays. It's not easy to fix. Remember that crumbly feeling under your nails? There's a reason for that. It does that a lot. I live in the East Coast. Plaster frames don't make it over here. They dissolve into the ether along with the tide. Humidity is the ultimate weapon against plaster. Now, if you do have a frame that's very important to you and needs repair, it can be done, but it will cost you. A lot of times what you're asking to be done is having a piece either hand-sculpted or molded from an unbroken part of the frame and painstakingly cut to size to match, as well as the color touch-ups that will be necessary. But there are services out there that will provide it to you, and it's actually probably a lot cheaper than shipping a pane of glass to yourself, so... And so that is my primer on getting started in antique frames. Do you have any questions, Ken? Somebody promised me a story about the Medici. The story about the Medici is that they're the reason people made movable frames. It was not a specific story, I'm afraid. Oh. They just, they treated the fucking things like Pokemon cards. Yeah? Like, yeah, kind of. Like, interpersonal small sales between people who were collecting art. That's why they wanted it to be portable. Oh. It's because you can't sell or trade anything if it's rooted to the fucking wall of your house. Well, when you put it that way... I think it's actually, like, a common question that I failed to answer in my first, like, my first go-round, which is why would you need them to be portable? And it's mostly just so your investment can stay liquid. Now I'm just imagining Liquid Snake in a frame. He's a beautiful man. (laughs) (laughs) Sources for today include latimes.com, story26501, collectorsweekly.com, frames, antiques.lovetoknow.com, antique picture frame styles, antique-collecting.co.uk, in the frame, how to buy an antique picture frame. Lowy1907.com, how to inspect an antique picture frame. Incollect.com, the lore of antique frames. VictorianFrameCompany.com, taking a closer look at antique picture frames. And we got one, PictureFramingMagazine.net. Wow. Article August 20, 2020. Yes, they still publish monthly magazines. 
If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post on our Facebook group, Antiquesfreaksfriends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. Or you can post on our Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you liked to hear non-specific stories about not exactly the Medicis, feel free to scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review. Four stars. I like it about as much as I like a composite frame. One star. I was promised a specific story about specifically the Medici. Ken has given our friendship one star, it seems. <laughs> and if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we are reading and reviewing a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, The Feast of Blood. A story that at one point had a frame as a major plot point. It did. Yeah. There was a secret passage in the house hidden by a picture frame. And then the vampire stole the frame. And then everyone promptly forgot about the secret passage, which as far as I can tell remains forgotten and unexplored in favor of tracking down the picture frame, which everyone is assuming holds a fortune. <laughs> perhaps perhaps he knew what they did and they, they subscribed to pictureframemagazine.net and he knew the real riches. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.